Well, it's, uh, it's challenging when you face changes and transitions and all of those things. And, you know, when you find yourself in those positions and when you find yourself like Phil did with an opportunity um, to consider, what do you do? You pray. You take it to the Lord and you pray. And it is so important to be able to navigate life's decisions to be able to reach out and live the kind of life you want to live, whether it's here or Orlando or wherever God sends you, to live the kind of life you want to live, you've got to live connected to God. You've got to. I don't know how people live without prayer, without being, without reaching up on a regular basis. And I'm so grateful uh, for Phil and Janet and their prayer life. And and I want to encourage you uh, that God is answering our prayers and. In other areas, you know, as we just continue to, uh, to move forward, we've got a, uh, a brand new uh, media director that we're excited has joined us. He interned here about four years ago under Michael Justice, and Michael Justice went and started his own business, and he recommended this young man, and his name is Cameron Crowley, and this is his baptism by fire today. Uh, all of these services, all this equipment, it is just quite a challenge that he's taking on, but he's really excited. We're excited to have Cameron. And so would you welcome Cameron this morning? He's up there. You're up there. Wave your hand. <clears throat> so hopefully you'll get to know him as the weeks go by, but he's a critical behind-the-scenes person. We're grateful. We're grateful that you're with us, Cameron. And also, if you would be praying today as well, We've been in the process for about six months of our next worship director and uh, worship pastor. There, we've had lots of uh, good candidates, but it is, a, it is really an important um, process. And today, we have a, a, a portion of our search team is actually at a church observing one of the candidates that we're looking at. And would you just join me as we pray for Phil and Janet, we pray for all of these uh, movements in, in Christ's body, pray for wisdom on this search team that God would just really give them a, 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 a go or a no, you know, as they move forward and as we prayerfully walk through this. So uh, let's pray together and then we'll, we'll open up the word on prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you hear us. You hear us in times of change, times of need, times of searching and seeking. I pray that you'd give uh, our church team uh, ears to hear and eyes to see your leadership. Help us to do that. I pray for Phil and God, they're going to make such a great team at Aloma. May you just bless that. Father, give us wisdom in, in covering those duties and, and, and having the kind of staff that you want here. And Father, we just trust you with that. Give us wisdom. God, most of all, give us a hunger and a thirst to reach up, to stay connected to you. We need it every single day. Help us learn from your word this morning how to reach up in prayer. And we ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles. Let's look at Mark chapter 1 for an incredible demonstration of the importance of daily time with the Lord, daily prayer, daily reaching up. And we're going to see the importance of it in the life of Jesus. And I've always just thought, you know, if Jesus needed to pray so much, why don't we pray more? <laughs> why is it a critical part of our lives? Why is it something we can go a day or two without when Jesus couldn't go a day or two without it? 
And so let this testimony of Jesus' life just encourage you to reach up in prayer day in and day out. You know, I just I was reminded of the importance of prayer in kind of a funny way this past week. Uh, my Outlook crashed on my laptop. Now, that may not sound important to you, but that's how I communicate with the world. All of my emails come in through the Outlook, and I would, I would press the button, it would come up, and in two seconds, it would crash. And so I went on for about a day or two complaining about it before I did anything about it. But here's why I, I, I finally did something about it very, about in the second day, I realized, you know, this could cause me problems. It caused others problems. What really uh, bothered me about it being down was, was you. I didn't want anyone's feelings to be hurt. I didn't want to miss appointments that might not get on my calendar or uh, I might miss messages that people send. And you know how it can really be irritating and sometimes you feel unloved when you send a message and you don't get any response back. So I was concerned about that. And so uh, I came and I, I, I called the, the guys and after about an hour on the phone, they had me up and running and now I'm, I'm getting my communication. And as I was doing all of this, I was working on a sermon about prayer. And I was thinking, you know, there's this giant invisible world that all of our communication goes through. I can't see the internet, I can't see the cloud, I can't see the web, but my life is pretty much dependent on communication from the visible. And I said, well, that's true in the spiritual world too. There is this incredible God and it is important for me to be up and running technologically. And it's hard to be a success in life if we're not communicating technologically. It is absolutely devastating to the life of a believer to not be communicating spiritually. We must remain in contact with the Father. Every resource, everything that we need is, is basically with Him. It is. All good things come from the Father, and we must communicate with the Father. He has all of our resources, all of our guidance. He's given us so much of it in his, in his word, and, and he wants us to just pray the word and receive and hear him, and he wants us to commune with him, and prayer is just absolutely essential. I was reading this week that the Jeff Bezos, head of Amazon, is now the wealthiest guy in the world, $105 billion net worth. I wonder if he could spare a little. $105 billion, he passed Bill Gates. And I got to thinking, the wealthiest man in the world doesn't have a store I can walk into. It's all in the air. How many of you used Amazon over Christmas? I mean, that's pretty amazing. I like shopping on the internet. You know, you just pull it up, you send your order into the cloud, it shows up on your porch. Then somebody steals it off your porch. <laughs> if you don't get to it quickly. That's a pretty amazing system, and that's going up. I feel sorry for businesses that you have to walk into. I mean, they're struggling because there's this power of the air. There's this power to just send up your request, send up the finances, and here it comes. It comes right to your door, right to your door. Some of us treat God that way, and we should never treat God like Jeff Bezos or Amazon. I mean, he does want our requests. He says, prayer is a time to send up requests. Let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. And so we can, we can send up our requests to God through, through prayer. He wants us to do that. He, he invites us to do that. But that's not all the prayer is. 
Sometimes we treat prayer as it's a complaint section, a complaint session, complaint department. You know, if we, if we get the wrong, maybe God decides to send us what we didn't order. And it shows up on our porch. And we treat him like an angry Amazon customer. You didn't give me what I ordered. I'm sending it back. Sometimes we don't like what God sends us. He looks at us and he says, trust me, you need that more. Trust me, I didn't mess up. You need that more. And then Jesus has these wonderful parables where he says, listen, God doesn't mind if you just continually pray. Just keep on knocking on the door. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. He'll give you the desires of your heart. So uh, prayer, an important aspect of prayer is asking, knocking, and confessing. And even when you do, you, things happen in your life. It's, it's not a complaint department, but bring those hurts. Bring those needs to the Father. So that interchange is so critical about prayer. But there, there are aspects of prayer I want you to see that I think were really the secret to Jesus' life, his powerful life, his life of compassion and love, his life of full of answered prayers. And it wasn't the request department, although he made requests. And it wasn't the complaint department, so, although even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, if there's any other way I can get this done, God, if, it, if there's any other way, and God said no, and he said okay, not my will, but your will be done. So there's those kind of conversations. But there is another way of life that Jesus demonstrates in this passage that is absolutely critical. And I think we miss this aspect, at least I do from time to time. I just miss some of the importance of what I see in this passage of how Jesus reached up to God. He was constantly reaching up. And the way that he reached up was finding time to reach up in prayer. Jesus didn't accomplish his mission. What an incredible mission it was. He did not accomplish his mission with such success through his personal power. When we read the Gospels, we find that he accomplished his mission with incredible success through his personal prayer life with the Father. It was his connection to the Father. Now, could Jesus have done he could have done anything he wanted in his personal power, but here he was demonstrating to us how to live a life. The way to live the life is with that constant connection with the Father. But I want us to see it through the inspired word of God this morning. We believe the gospel of Mark comes out of Peter through the, the penmanship of one of the disciples named Mark, one of Peter's disciples named Mark. We get this incredible gospel, and Peter demonstrates the power and servant-heartedness of Jesus. So chapter 1 is just Jesus doing this, Jesus healing the leper, Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus casting out demons. You see all of this power and ministry, and you see Jesus reaching out. And I mean, when his hands touched somebody, it, it healed him. He reached out to teach. He reached out to heal. He reached out to cast out demons. You see him reaching out in great power. But watch this. Watch in verse 32. Let's read this together. That evening at sundown, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Now, I want you to notice when they brought them. They brought them at sundown. Why sundown? It had been the Sabbath, and it wasn't until the Sabbath was over that they were allowed to carry 
that would have been work to carry their sick. And so they bring their sick once the sun went down. But Jesus had been busy in ministry, exhausted in ministry. He had just probably finished dinner. And then all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door, and he opens the door. And there's a line of people, as far as he can see, carrying their oil lamps, carrying their their lame and their sick. And he sees lepers, and he sees people uh, with demons in them being constrained. There's this line of ministry that for Jesus never stopped. Any of y'all feel that way sometimes? It just never stops. When am I going to get a break? Everybody wants something from me. Everybody's got a need. Jesus lived that kind of life too that you might be living. So notice what he did. Verse 33, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. But here's what happened. After an incredible day of exhausting ministry, then a long night of exhausting ministry, and maybe two or three hours of sleep, he said, if I'm going to continue to reach out, I've got to reach up. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he, what? Prayed. Why did, you ever wondered? I used to wonder this all the time as a kid. I still kind of wonder, why did Jesus have to pray? Jesus in his full humanity had relinquished the independent exercise of all of his authority and relinquished it to the Father and this was all controlled through his prayer life. It was just a a demonstration of what human life is supposed to look like. So if we're going to live the way we need to live, we're going to have to pray the way Jesus prayed. In fact, notice how important prayer is to Jesus. He went out to a desolate place. He departed early. He had, to, he had to get somewhere where those pesky disciples would leave him alone. And they still didn't leave him alone. So look, at Simon wakes up and he goes in. We got to get Jesus busy. He's pop, he more popular than ever. We got to get him up and get him going. They go in, they don't, he can't find Jesus. He's like, so where is he? And he gathers the other disciples. He says, we got to find Jesus. Look. Everyone is looking for you, Jesus. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. I love that verse 37. It just, just, just cracks me up, really. And they found, I would have put, if I was right now, they would have found poor Jesus. Jesus just needed some time. He needed some space. He needed to refuel, repair, restore. And evidently he did. They found him. And Peter's like, where have you been? Jesus is like, I've been where I need to be if I'm going to be who God wants me to be. I've been in prayer. And then he got up and he said, let's go. Two important things sayings here that I hope you can take with you. They're sticking in my mind. What we see in this passage 
And in two more passages in Mark, just, just Mark itself, we see it in many other places. We see that in the midst of ministry, Jesus set aside, he carved out, but he craved time alone with the Father. And we see that the prayer life, the reaching up life of Jesus was the foundation, not the side, but the foundation of his ministry. And so your salvation today rests upon the prayer life of Jesus. He carved out time with the Father every day because he needed it to fulfill his ministry. Put it this way, for Jesus to live the way he lived, he had to pray the way he prayed. To live the way he lived, Jesus had to pray the way he prayed. I think that I have that on a slide for you. And then you can go to the next slide, which says this. We can learn to live the way he lived. We can learn to live the way he lived. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, here, you stay here. I'm going to do all of your stuff for you. No, Jesus looked at you and said what? Come, follow me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. Learn from me. I'm gentle. Follow me. Watch me. And Peter got it as he's detailing this ministry through Mark to you and me. He's saying, watch Jesus' power, but watch his prayer. He had to have it to live the way he lived. We can learn to live like Jesus, but we can never, we'll never learn to live like Jesus unless we learn to pray like Jesus. Let me show you a couple things out of this passage. Here's why prayer was so important to Jesus that he woke up early, gave up wonderful sleep that his body needed. He set aside sleep. He would often set aside food. Remember, he said, I don't, I'm not hungry. My food is to do the will of God. I got enough sleep. I know I'd love to sleep a little more, but I need prayer more. Why did he need prayer so much? Well, the first simple answer to me is he needed prayer for restoration. He needed prayer to restore his soul. When you look at that list, it's pretty amazing. In verse 32, he looks out and all the, the, the people are coming. The needs are piling up. The whole city, in verse 33, the whole city is at his door. Just honestly, moms, y'all know what that kind of life is like? Where it seems like they line up at your door. You constantly have a, a barrage of requests. Kids, husbands, laundry, food, shopping. Guys, maybe that's your list and your wife's got a whole other list. You know what it's like, you know, when you come home and you're exhausted from the day and your spouse just hands you a kid and says, they're yours now. You ever been there? Get these kids out of my house. We love our children, don't we, amen? But you know, sometimes we're exhausted. Sometimes you just, you can't wait to leave work because the, they're lined up out your door at work. They're lined up, the needs never cease, and you hope to go home to get relief. 
And it's like, no, the needs are just as bad there. When do you get a break? Listen, you are not designed to run like that for long. You need restoration. And that restoration is not a vacation at the beach with that family. I always love it when people say, did you get good rest on your beach vacation? No. I'm exhausted. Can't wait to get home. Well, you're, you're just, it's hard carrying all this. You know, you need restoration with the Lord. Jesus demonstrates that part of the restoration for your soul is finding time. You're going to have to pursue it. He did it. He, he walked out, and he had to go at times where the people wouldn't sometimes notice. And this is hard. It's, it's sacrifice. But, but we run on empty too much as believers because we don't, we don't make this effort to restore our souls. Can I just tell you this? And it, it's, it's really weighing on me. I have teenagers in my home, young teenagers, and I see teenagers and, and college students, and it's now filtrating up through the ages, and it's, it's going all the way up into senior adults, and that is this pressure to be perfect. And I, I saw it, and then I, got a, I, I read a study this week that confirmed what I felt like I was seeing. A study came out to reveal that social media is putting incredible pressure on our young people to be perfect. You know what that means? They're just, they're seeing what they think is perfection. They're, think, they're just never satisfied because of the continual bombardment of pressure. You know, I remember when I was a teenager, you were battling peer pressure. Peer pressure was Johnny, the kid over there that wanted you to go smoke cigarettes with him or something, you know. And we would have, the youth pastor would say, you know, you need to resist peer pressure. Don't go do that. Don't go do this. And I thought that was tough. I don't think it's anything compared to the internal pressure to be perfect that's being generated in our culture right now on people, they, on our young people. Let me tell you what the study said. A new study found that teenagers who engage with social media during the night could be damaging their sleep, increasing their risk of anxiety and depression. Teenagers spoke about the pressure they felt to make themselves available 24-7. You know what the most important item in a teenager's life right now is? Yeah, cell phone's number two. You know what's number one? A charging cord. Amen. We go through them like crazy. The biggest fights in the family now are where's who stole my charger? And you may be right in the midst of that and may not realize what it's doing is it's lining up issues for you at the door. It's putting intense pressure on you to perform and be perfect. And young ladies are, are even more susceptible to that than young men, but all of them are facing this great pressure. And, and I say that to say this, at whatever age, the best place to go is to pursue some type of isolation with the Father, some type of prayer, 
Your cell phone may be charged, but you may be without a charge. Empty. And Jesus needed to be recharged every day through time with the Father. And the more he expended, the more he would pursue time with the Father. Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer, said, you know, when things get really busy, I try to get at least three hours of prayer a day to make sure I get everything else done. I'm encouraging you to do three hours a day. But we need to carve out time for restoration of our souls. He needed it. To live the way he needed to live, he had to restore his soul through prayer. Which leads to the second thing that is important to see. As Jesus prays in the gospel, we hear him make requests. John 17, we see some of these great prayers. He prays for his disciples. He makes requests. But one of the things that you notice about Jesus, and when he talks about his prayer life, he talks of it as fellowship. He talks of it as communion with his Father. It's time with the Father. Jesus just needed time with the Heavenly Father. For all of eternity past, God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit dwelled in uh, pure indestructible unity and he craved that when he took on flesh and limited himself you see him just drawn back like a magnet he had to have that personal time with the father he put that same hole in our heart that same craving in our heart we are made from the creator and he he draws us back he's he wants to draw us back to himself but there are some things that draw us away from the Father. All of these magnets in the world just take us away and they destroy our, our soul and our energy and they take it all away. And so you are going to have to, if you're going to live the way Jesus lived, the way he wants you to live, you've got to learn to pray the way he prayed. You're going to have to carve out that time, fight for that time where you fellowship. Fellowship with the Father. I'm all for prayer journals. I'm all for prayer diagrams. And I, I've preached to you and taught you on different breakdowns of prayer like Acts. You ever heard the Acts model? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Great. I like to pray, structure my prayers around the Lord's prayer. Praise, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. I like to structure it around there. I'm all for that. But let's never turn prayer into a formula. It is first and foremost fellowship with your heavenly father and you desperately need that to live the way you need to live you're gonna have to pray the way Jesus prayed fellowship in fact listen to what Jesus says in Revelation 320 y'all probably know this verse if you grew up in church you've heard it many times this is a little picture of prayer Jesus said behold I stand at the door of your heart your life and I what if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and do what? Eat. I love that metaphor, amen. Love to eat. You love to eat. You know what's great about eating? It's not the food. It's the fellowship that he's talking about. He says it's not about the eating. It's that we're dining together. We're together around the table. He says that, that is what prayer ought to feel like to a certain degree, and you know, it's, it's, prayer is a mixture. Like Isaiah, we come in and we're 
astounded at his glory. We, we, we are convicted of our sin and we cry out, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. There's that experience. And prayer has that moment when you, when, when you enter into fellowship with the Father, you know you know you're aware of those things, but then the Bible says, confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to do what? To cleanse you of your sins, to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And then he says, now, sit here with me. Tell me what's on your heart. Let me restore your soul. Let me direct you, guide you. I love that image. For me. In fact, Jesus, this is what he said in Matthew 6 6. Matthew 6 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, But when you pray, go into your room and do what? Shut the door. Keep out the devil. Shut the door. Shut the door. That was a reference to a song you may have never heard, but anyway. Keep go in, shut the door. You're gonna have to pursue that isolation. And pray to whose father? Your father. Jesus said the God of the universe is your what? Father. My kids, if they ever walk in my office, you should see my face especially here at this office. During the busy, when the kids walk in, I light up. It's such a joy to see my children, even though they're asking for money. <laughs> it is a joy to see them walk in. The God of the universe, through your faith in Christ, you're now a brother of Christ, and the God of the universe is your Father. He wants you to walk into his room. He can't wait to talk to you. I'm so happy with that. I'm so glad with that. Because honestly, honestly, Sometimes we know we haven't been good children. Honestly, sometimes the world just tells you, and Satan's right behind the world telling you that you are a failure. You better not walk into your father's office. <laughs> Jesus says, come on. That's why Jesus is there. He says, come on, I've covered it all for you. I have covered it all for you. You're not right for this family, but I made you right. Come on. Restore your soul. Fellowship with your heavenly Father. And when you do so, number three, like Jesus, you find direction for your life. You know, Jesus went in to pray right before he picked his disciples. He went in to pray right before he went to the cross. Jesus was often praying for direction. You say, well, once again, I thought Jesus just knew everything. Well, he did. 
But in, in his full humanity, he went like you and I did for confirmation, encouragement, guidance, and focus. And so he went into the fellowship of the Father, and he received that. I love what he said when the disciples found him. Look at verse 38. And he said to them, now you just picture, they come in and they interrupt his time, and he probably heard them come, and here they come, God. I guess it's, I guess it's over. Here they come. And they come in, and he looks, and he says, I love these first words, let's go. Let's go. Where did he want to go? He wanted to go fulfill the purpose that was reinforced in his time with the Lord. He said, let's go. Let's go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. Verse 39, and he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. There is so much more to say on this, but it's just throughout the New Testament, we see that for Jesus to live the life he lived, he had to pray the way he prayed. Listen to what he said in John. He said, he said in John 5, truly, truly, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. The Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And then he turns and he says this, And greater works than these will be shown him so that you may marvel. He said in John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own. I can do nothing on my own. If Jesus couldn't do it without prayer, without his relationship with the Father, why do we think we can Let me give you just a few applications, just, just something to take with you. You might just write these down. One of the things I notice in this text is that his prayer came after he was empty. And I just got to thinking, you know, maybe our prayer lives would grow if our ministry would grow, our service would grow. A lot of times our prayer life is is lacking because we're not emptying ourselves out in service. We're not hungry. We're not in need. We're full of the world. I find that when people empty themselves out in ministry and service and mission and they're, and they're uh, sacrificing themselves for others, they become empty and hungry. And where does that drive you? Back to the Lord. So serve the Lord like Jesus served. His life demanded his prayer life, and his prayer life produced his powerful life. And it's that cycle. But you're going to have to secondly pursue solitude, pursue solitude with God. You're going to have to figure out when and where and how. It might be in your car at lunch. It might be early in the dark before anybody gets up. It might be late at night. It might be a walk in the afternoon when you get home from work but pursue solitude with God. And when you are alone with God, be quiet. <laughs> you need times of quiet when you can listen. And when you are talking, when you're talking to God, be real, get honest. Share with him 
like you would a, a, an earthly father that you trust implicitly. Your heavenly father can handle anything you say, any problem you have. He just can't handle you putting on the fig leaves in front of him, hoping to hide. He's just saying, come out from back there. I'm your father. Confess, talk, seek, cry, rejoice in his presence. And then finally, like Jesus did in this passage, the end of his prayer life was let's go. Let's go. Get going. Folks, is your email down? Is God getting through? Are there messages from him you're not receiving? Are there things that he's got for you that you've never asked for? Do what I did. I don't know why it took me nearly 48 hours. I know why. Because I didn't want to give up that hour. I knew if I had, if I, to get my Email up, I knew I'd have to sit there in the pleasurable techno department online. And he did. He just took me right through and we're up and running. But I gave up that, that time disconnected because I was afraid of that little bit of time of healing, of repair, of restoring. Don't neglect your time with God for anything.